So a few years ago, I went to the Bel Air Armory for the Authors and Artists Show. Because, of course, you know, I like to talk to local authors and local artists and try to get them on the show. They're all interesting. I mean, everybody's got a story to tell. Well, I met this guy, and I knew about him before. And I finally got a chance to talk to him. And we talked about doing the podcast. And it's been taking me forever to get him on, which I finally did. We recorded this back in May. He's not just an author, though. He's also a musician. And he has done several albums. I say albums, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, vinyl, CD, whatever. It's still an album. And the great thing about it is, like I said, this is recorded in May. Now he started his own podcast. And it just, when you listen listen to his podcast, it's called Mouthful of Graffiti. Great podcast. You'll love it. Trust me. So on this episode of Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, I finally got him on Brad Cox. Stay tuned. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, coming to you from the Freedom Federal Credit Union Studios. Each week, you'll hear interesting interviews, commentary, discussions, storytelling, and more. Here's your host, Marine Corps veteran, professional DJ, entrepreneur, podcaster, and my father, Rich Bennett. I'd like to welcome everybody to Harford County Living with Rich Bennett. I have a gentleman on today that, uh, oh God, I've been, I've been trying to get on since before COVID. I think that's when we first met yep. at the author and artist show at the Bel Air Armory. That's right. But he's an author and a musician, and we're gonna well, we're just we're gonna sit here and, and you know rock with him. So got Brad Cox on. So Brad, first of all, welcome and thank you for coming on. I, I know it can be a headache at times, Scott, especially if your schedule. Oh, it's yeah, it is crazy, but I I really appreciate you having me, Rich. Oh, it's, hey, it's my pleasure, man. So uh, before we get into the music, let's talk about the. the books real quick children of the program yeah you have three of them now right yeah the trilogy it's, it's right. complete and if it weren't for covid that would have never happened because right. i needed the time to do it i mean p- people don't realize i don't think how much goes into writing a book a lot, but a lot. yeah it's you know even if you're committing to a thousand words a day which is an outrageous amount of words honestly it doesn't sound like it but it is especially when you're trying to continue a, like a storyline it can take quite a bit of time and are, I mean, these are complete novels, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're full length, you so, know. All right, the first one is just Children of the Program. Correct, correct, yeah. So that was released when? That was 2015, September 2015, right right by my birthday. I actually released it on my birthday. Holy cow. Yeah. And then I, the second one was 2017, and then that one just came out. So the, that's, wait a minute, five years, six years? Six years? It's, well, yeah, it was over... I mean, that book's been out for a while now. Okay. The third book. So, so. let's say five years. So do these three books, thick novels, yeah. within five years? Yeah. Holy cow, man. And so how long did it take you to write each one? This last book is the longest in the series, and um, it took probably the least amount of time. Um, just because I got myself into a flow with it. It was just basically, right. I, I'm not stopping. We're doing a thousand plus words a day. And it, there was times I was exhausted. You were dedicated. I, I was dedicated, but I was I was struggling at times to get through it. Right. But I just refused to give up. And uh, 
Okay, so I think it took me from um, May or June till about September, October, four or five months. That's not bad. No. But, I, you know, I was home because of COVID, working from right. home. And uh, my wife and I basically put a big dry erase board up, and that kind of made it a little bit fun to just kind of keep track of the storyline. Because one of the things that happens is you start finding yourself – I mean, you got to reconcile all the books. Yeah. And you have to remember what you said in book one or book two. Does it work? There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of places to go. So it can get confusing. Even though I wrote it, I I could still be like, oh, God, what was that guy's name? Or whatever. (laughs) Or what was he? Who was he in this story? Yeah. Yeah, I can see how that could get confusing at times. Absolutely. So, all right, tell, tell everybody what Children of the Program is actually about. Um, it's basically, in short, uh, my, um, my quick pitch is it's about these 12 individuals okay. who are sent from kind of uh, the, uh, like a purgatory state. Um, it's called the Hallway of Sorrows, and they are sent to create a new race of people. So um, think like crystalline children, indigo kids, like they're like a little bit more spiritually advanced. And this is basically their ticket into a place called the beyond, which would be, I guess, maybe what Buddhists would refer to as nirvana. Right. So anyway, um, that, that's that's their quest. Um, and oh. if they don't, they don't complete their quest. They've got to come back. So they can come back for multiple lives. And so, wow. the, yeah, so it's it's kind of a it's a cool, complex uh, story. And I tied in a lot of uh, autobiographical stuff into the books. So book one, it's like you will learn more about me than you probably ever wanted to know. Um, but it, it was fun. It was that's cathartic. actually pretty cool, though, man. Yeah, so I'm the main character, Nico Bao. Um, Nico Bow. Yeah, so um, I have a I have a musical project called Nikki Thunders, so it's kind okay. of a play on that. Okay, Bow being the Egyptian god of thunder, and yeah. how, right, wait a minute, I gotta ask you this. All right, so how did you study all this stuff? Uh, like some, Egyptian gods and all this? Uh, you, you know, you do a lot of research because it, Google makes it super simple. Well, that's true, yeah. too. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of mythology um, in, in the books. And I also, you know, in college, I took a lot of religion courses and that, that kind of thing. And it's amazing to me, the similarities. But that's a whole other right. uh, story in and of itself. But, yeah, it's a lot of research. Like, a lot of people don't realize that when you're writing a book, if you're, if you're writing about a town in New Mexico, you've got to know what about it looks New Mexico, like. New Mexico, yeah. You've got to know what the, the, the soil's like, what kind of, like, wildlife's there, you know, because you're, you're writing descriptive paragraphs. Right. You're not going to have much of a description if you don't know what it looks like. So, you're, you know, you're pulling up pictures. You're, you're okay, well, this is the type of rabbits that they have there. It could be anything. Right. Or you've got to know if it's Germany or wherever. Do, do they have cobblestone streets? It's regular streets. Because if you're talking, That's a good about, point. Yeah, you can't yeah. just say, oh, the, you know, I was walking down the road. Well, what's the road look like? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's all that. I was going to say, I wonder how many authors actually even do that. Because I would have never thought about that. Well, I mean, I, especially with something like this where it gets really um, – it gets kind of complicated. Yeah. You, you've got to dig in. You have no choice. You you won't even know where to go with what you're saying. So all right. So now I got to get the series because my I, <laughs> my daughter loves to write. And I, if she focuses on something like that, then I think I would, to me that would make your writing a whole lot better. So one of the things research. I'm really I'm doing now is I'm actually having people uh, that buy the the series buy read the books in reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, yeah, right. Okay. Be, well, there's a couple of reasons. One reason is because obviously the writing is so much better in the third book than the first book because that, that's what's going to happen. It, it's okay. like your first album and your last album. Uh, so I want to 
people to get the best taste of it as, as possible right off the bat. But also because of the twist at the end of the third book, okay. it really lends itself to how in the hell did we get here? <laughs> and then you can kind of go backwards and, and, and find out. So. so you wrote it kind of like Star Wars. I mean, I, this is a weird thing to say. <laughs> I've never seen Star Wars. Really? Any of it. And now I'm so far behind on like all of the components of Star Wars, like the Mandalorian and all this. Like I don't yeah. even know where to start. So it's not that I don't want to see it. It's just like, it's overwhelming to me. It's like Harry Potter. Yeah, I haven't seen them all either, so don't feel bad. Yeah. I think I watched, well, the first three, which are now the middle three, that I think I watched the first one. And after I No, I, I haven't been able to. Harry Potter's another one I haven't watched yet either. So, Or what was the other one? The big series? Lord, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I haven't watched that either, Yeah, so. I did get into that, and that was mainly because I was a Zeppelin fan, you know, so it's like, they write a lot of their music based off Lord of the Rings. Get, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait a minute now, because I'm a Zeppelin set. fan, but I never knew this. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they reference a lot of, um, I'm trying to think, I think Misty Mountain Hop is one. Um there's, there's a couple songs where they, yeah, Robert Plant's referencing Lord of the Rings in his lyrics. I'll be darned. Yeah. I, and I've read the book now back in high school. but I, So now i got to watch the movies and listen to Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. And, and Zeppelin always had a certain mysterious quality to it. Yeah. I mean, it might have had a lot to do with Jimmy Page. It's like, uh, you know, he was into all kinds of like Ouija boards and black magic and all that kind of yeah. stuff, which is really fascinating. I, I think it adds a certain element to the music. It does. Oh, if you listen to some of that stuff that he did, and it's that's one thing I love about musicians when they explore different paths and everything, and just bring that into their music. Yeah, uh, you know, like you said, Page. I think uh, the Beatles were always famous for that. You know, Harrison and uh, Lennon, especially. Um, and believe it or not, you're probably going to laugh at this one, but Yanni was another one because he just he when he left. Chameleon, which is a heavy metal band he used to play in, and went with what we they call it that he does now. Is that New Age or whatever? Yeah, it was New Age for sure. But the different artists that he brings in that is in his orchestra or whatever are just like you have bass player that sounds like Flea. You're right, uh, right. Yeah, the drummer that just, I mean, you would think it's Carmine a piece or something. Everybody's probably listening, like, who the hell is Carmine a piece? But anyway, he's just showing my age now. Um, but when they, he would bring in all this stuff from different countries and do it. And that's what I liked about Paige. Who the hell ever thought of using a bow on a guitar? Yeah, he, he dabbled with world music in, in a way that a lot of. Um I guess contemporary rock bands hadn't done in a, in a totally new way, or he, maybe he was just ex, you know just having fun and yeah, he, he kind of created something on the spot. And and that's the thing with, I mean, musicians, and there are some today, and we're gonna get into about your band here in a minute, but there are some today that still do that. And just from you talking about your book, I'm sure you do that as well. I do do that. <laughs> um, and then there are some that just get out there and play and it's the same thing over and over again right i don't really get i don't any, understand that it it would generate no joy for me at no, all no me either and, and as a matter of fact as my son when he when he plays guitar and when he first started i said i'll get you a guitar i said but i'm not going to sign you up for lessons you learn yourself then once you learn how to play then if you want to take lessons fine yeah i said 
But I said, I think you should always learn Spanish guitar, classical guitar. Because you're true. I mean, you look at Stevie Ray Vaughan and Hendrix. Who's the other one? Um, oh, geez. Santana. Yeah. These guys are just amazing. So, yeah, they are. But, and speaking of music, so you're also a musician. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually. And songwriter. We actually kind of got off on the right foot here because this is a great segue. Mm-hmm. I, um, there's, a, there's a We Love the Underground album that goes as a soundtrack with the Children of the Program series. Really? Yeah. So it's We Love the Underground, Children of the Program. So, you know, like I was saying, like the, um, the first book, it starts off with these people in like a purgatory state. It's called The Hallway of Sorrows. So like the first track on the album starts you at The Hallway of Sorrows and then kind of takes you through. Wow. Yeah, and it's cool because it sounds like soundtrack music, but then there's plenty of rock songs on there. Right. But it's just, it's a, it's a wild and... Now, was this you uh, solo? For Not that? at that point, no. Okay. No, so the first two We Love the Underground albums were a solo project. Okay. And then it just like kind of all of my uh, my bands, it kind of starts as a solo project, and then it generates the interest of other people, and then other people start coming in and be like, hey, I'd like to play guitar, or I'd like to play drums. I'd like to help get this out there, because they want to just play, and I want to get it out there. So it's, right. it's win-win. So were you writing music? I mean, playing music first, or writing books first? I was playing music first. So when did you start playing music? Um, it was probably back, I mean, honestly, it was, it was a sophomore year, you know, I started working with this guy, Dave Pace, uh, he used to have a studio on Main Street, mm-hmm. um, and he, he's, he's incredibly talented, he works at Musicland, and he, he's actually a guitar builder now, he's, he, really? yeah, his guitars go for high dollar, he's extremely talented, but I did the first five schizo records with him, before meeting okay. John Grant at Secret Sound, which is right down the road from here, and then... Uh, ended up with Tony Corelli, his partner. Oh wow! Yeah. So you've all right. So the new one is Veteran Avenue. Right? Yes. That's the new band. Yeah. So basically, that's a compilation of. I tried to bring in all these different uh, players that I'd played with over mm-hmm. the years, over the past. Uh, so I guess it's twenty four years, basically, um, and get them all in one spot and in one record. So do you guys go out and play? Well, because of COVID, of course you couldn't. But right. you plan on going out and playing live with the same musicians, or yeah? So it's kind of like the other bands in the, in the sense that like there's not a band yet. Right. We've done like uh, an acoustic show here or there, and but that's the extent of it. There's no actual members to it. Right. There's just a lot of people that have contributed to it. So you're almost like Trent Reznor or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like control and I like to do what I want yeah. to do. And over time, when you're in a band type scenario, you lose more and more and more of that to the degree where it's, it almost stops becoming fun for both sides. That, yeah, that's true. And that's, uh, you definitely don't want that, um, too, too much friction and everything. So tell us about veteran Avenue. This, and I, I listened to a bit of it earlier. Yeah. I think it kicks ass. Thank you. Thank I don't know you. if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, but I just did. So. Well, it's there. <laughs> so, um, well, do you, do you remember which tracks you... Uh, it was... Um, oh, God. You know what? I got to look at here. That's We Love the Underground, so that's not going to help you. Oh. Um, um, all right. Name some of the tracks, and I'll tell you the first. There was Cross and Crown. Yeah. That's the one that starts off, and I watched the video of the girl playing the piano. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. Yes. That's Dana Coach, and uh, she's a phenomenal mu- local musician um, and, and pianist and, and, mm-hmm. and great singer. Um, 
But that video turned out excellent. We did that at Freedom Church, or really? I guess it's way it was Way of Life. No, it is it is Freedom now. Okay. But we did it there. Actually, I asked Wade Haskins, the pastor, I was like, "You've got an awesome stage and light rig already in place. Would you mind if I came out there and shot a video?" And he let me do it completely, wow. completely free. They they had a, two guys came out and ran the sound and the lights and and we we knocked it out in probably an hour and a half. That video. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so weird the way you watch the video. We were actually on stage so crammed together, right? That it, it looks Doesn't like look on stage like we're all far yeah. apart. And yeah, no, it's so weird. Wow, but it turned okay. out awesome. Yeah, because it's got that alternative sound, right? Um, but oh man, yeah, I I uh, yeah, I love that stuff. What's are right, what's some of the other tracks? Well, uh, there's Dead Hour, which is kind of like that bluesy number. Um, it's got Brian Rumbley on bass um, and Todd Boyle on drums. Todd Boyle. Todd Boyle is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a local player. He's been doing it forever. He was in the John Mauer trio. Um, Maybe that's why I've heard the name then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. He's, all, he's also got, there's, um, it's uh, the Boyle, I, I think it's Boyle Insurance Group. But anyway, okay. yeah, but he's he's been around Bel Air forever. So he's he's got a guy I went to high school with, and he he plays some drums on that track. There is "Cast Me," which features Dana uh, Dana Koch. Um, there is "Make a Scene," another bluesy number. Um, it's it's kind of cool the way it's worked out. Is there's a, like five tracks that are like alternative rock. Mm-hmm. There's like five tracks at this point that are kind of like this old school rock and roll bluesy kind of uh, thing going on. And then there's five tracks of just like epic ballads. So I'm not really sure. You have 15 tracks on there? Almost, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there, there's going to be uh, one more uh, track, which is a, is a cover tune, which I'm actually going to kind of pair up with a, a local cover band to kind of give them a little you know, push, right. and then uh, obviously it'll just be a cool marriage. So, all right, I, when it comes to supporting local, yeah, I mean, you hear about people supporting local businesses and everything, but you're, I mean, helping support all these local musicians. Yeah, that's it, awesome, man. I really fell in love with this whole love local mantra because of my last job, honestly. So, yeah. I we were talking before the podcast about advertising and marketing, and I really got to know a lot of the business owners in town. Um, but you know, on the, at the sun, it wasn't really, um, a lot of the accounts were already built in. Right. So it wasn't really like harnessing a lot of relationships, but with patch and five stars in particular, you really got, I really got in touch with like the pain points of a lot of these local businesses. And I realized how important it was to support local and, and it kind of springboarded me from there. I was like, yeah, I really want to help these people because I started falling in love with these different main street, like I, across America is kind of a silly way to put it, but but seriously, like uh, like Mystic, Connecticut, it's got an awesome mm-hmm. Main Street. Northeast has an awesome Main Street. You may not know that if you're passing all the big box stores and just kind right. of missing it. So yeah, that's yeah, that's one thing. And then, yeah, and it's kind of that. it's kind of made its way into the music now. So so all right, what other local music or what other musicians do you have on this? <sighs> okay, so um, there's Taylor Bull. He plays. A, he used to play with a New York based band called Jay and the Nines. Um, Gary Holmes and the Holmes brothers, I got them in there. Those, those guys were on all the schizo records almost, except okay. for, it was since 2001. Um, uh, there was Tyler Ingersoll who his band was signed to wind up records, which was Creed's label, Scott Stepp's label. Um, but his band was Omnisoul. Okay. Um, let me think here. There is... It's such, it's so many people. Sebastian, I never know how to say his last name, but he plays in Thrill Killer. Um, there's, 
uh, well, Tony Corelli, he, he's the guy who's producing the record, but he actually, I got him to sing on a track, which that's not what he does, but we were doing a track that needed three different voices. Right. Because it was like written from the perspective of a, a, an artist from three different, like, like early life, midlife and mm-hmm. post life. And, uh, I'm entering post life, I think, but <laughs> I needed the, uh, I needed that third voice. Um, so there's just a lot of players. So uh, was it recorded local too? It's all been done at Secret Sound for the most... Uh, not Secret Sound, I'm sorry. Uh, the Deep End Studio right up the road here. In Where's Middle that River. at? Deep End Studio? Uh, Middle River. Really? Yeah, with Tony Crowley. He's phenomenal. Oh, we don't. I didn't know there, I didn't know there was a studio there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. little... You would never know. You. It's probably small. It's about the size of this room. Okay. Which, uh, nobody can see this room. So how big is this room? Well, this... Uh, probably what? 12 by 20? No. 15 by... I don't know. It's it's a small studio. You would never. It's know. about yeah. So you, like a stage almost. Yeah. Wow. He's got all that in his basement, and it's it's great. It's in his basement. That's yeah. where his studio is. Yep. Oh, sweet. Like imagine just dividing this room in half, and one side of this twelve by twenty room is the sound room. It's kind of well, it's where the drums well, are. Okay. And then the other half is the sound room and the vocal booth. Okay. It's really condensed, but he, he's figured it out, and it works It works great. So, all right, now I'm going to put you on the spot. Are there any local musicians you would love to work with that you haven't yet? Um, trying to think about that. There's some that I grew up with that I really looked up to. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Haha from Jimmy's oh, Chicken yeah. Shack. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave T from Laughing Colors. Just uh, Mary Prankster. I love Mary mm-hmm. Prankster. I, I think she is awesome. Um, and she, she's kind of off the map at this point, but I, I love her. I'd love to do something with her. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm pulling uh, from musicians, like I said, that it, I'd played with over the right. years. Um, and then there's musicians I wanted to play with, like uh, Christopher Mooneyham from Weatherly. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got a podcast. The Weatherly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's a phenomenal musician as well. Um, and, you know... That's kind of where I'm pulling from. See, that one thing that people don't realize, and not just Hartford County, but Maryland in general, it, there are some very talented musicians around here. There's no doubt. I mean, it, it's just amazing. I've had a couple on, um, actually another girl from Bel Air, Piper, Piper Bateman, was on. She's down in Nashville. Um, another guy I would love to get on. He's not from Hartford County, but he's taught a lot of people from here. Fred Moss. Don't know if you ever awesome guitar player. Yeah, really good guitar player. You know, but all right. So I want to backtrack a minute to the book first of all. Self published or did you self published? Yeah, really. So I I was waiting. They they say that when you start sending out query letters, that you want to make sure that you have well. A trilogy is going to go a hell of a lot further than just one self-published book. Right. And since I knew I was going to do a trilogy, I was waiting to get the third book out before I started sending out query letters. Okay. Because then, now you've got like a product that they can like really like sink their teeth into. Right. Um, and a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll they'll re-release the books um, as a trilogy, um, almost like re-releasing like you did, like 2015, 2017, mm-hmm. 2021. They'll do the same thing: new new artwork, re-edited and cleaned up. Um, but yeah, they're, right now they're just in self-published land. So when you say uh, so, you did it through Amazon. Yeah. Yep. Kindle Direct right. Publishing. Let me ask you this because I know there are a lot of people that don't like Amazon. But correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it a godsend for authors? It's like, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. No, I think it's absolutely incredible. I love Liz at Capricos books and uh, Ukazu. Oh, Liz Decker. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is that. 
uh, we always we, you're making a living. You have to. So what? Well, right. What other better? I mean, what other sources? I have are no there other out source there? of print on demand books. There's yeah. no other way that that I can do what I do without Amazon. But I always I, I buy the books, send them to Liz, and then tell mm. people to buy them from Liz. They could just as easily just buy it off Amazon. But uh, I want to support Liz. But yeah, it's yeah. a god. It's an absolute godsend. Now, all right. It, it's speaking of Liz, the the store's no longer there, right? It's not. She's kind of. I think she's got like a either a mobile truck or um, she's just doing it all. Online. Okay, so it's she is still in business. She just is just not with the storefront. Yeah. Okay. Good. I got. All right. I got to make sure I plug her then. All right. So the book, of course. People can buy from Liz, which is Capri- Capric- Capriccio Books. Yeah, good luck spelling it. It's Capricose Books. Capricose Books. I can never get the yeah. pronunciation right on that. Uh, or on Amazon, either one. Um, and the album, Veteran Veteran Avenue, is not out yet, right? Or It's it's not. It's um, I've got, of those 15 tracks, there's two that still need to be mixed. i got to record one acoustic tune. And I'm doing that cover tune with uh, a local cover band. So there's, okay. it's when almost do you, done. When I, do you expect that to be released? I'm hoping July. July. Mid, okay. Mid-July is my, my hope because an acoustic track's not going to take too long. It's just me and the guitar should take about four or five hours in the studio. And the cover track is from a band that, like, I mean, most of the players could probably play the song in their sleep. So, right. you know, I'm not going to give it away. But Now, is that going to be on CD and digital or just digital? I'm going to do um, digital first. Okay. And then um, I'm thinking about doing an actual album, like a, a vinyl LP? Rec- Sweet. Yeah, yeah an okay. actual vinyl record. But the thing about it is vinyl records can only hold so much content. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to have to basically trim off about probably five or six songs. And then, like, basically, if you buy the record, there'll be a download code for the other six songs. That's a good idea. Yeah. So I guess Tony produced it, right? Yeah. All right, let me ask you this, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, because to me, <laughs> vinyl still has the best sound. Right. And there, you take the old vinyl records, if you have a good turntable and a good system, you just can't beat it. I understood that when CDs came out, you have your remaster and everything, everything is, ta- the, the tracks are taken up to the same level. And for the most part, if you're mastering it to that degree. Yeah. Yeah. But with LPs, the old LPs, it wasn't. I mean, you you know, you could have the hi hats at a certain level and all that, everything, so you could pick out the things. Is with yours? How's is is that true that they do that now? I take it, or I mean, no, it's it's still it's still mixed the same in, okay. in the sense where you know you you're you're obviously um, kind of adjusting the volumes for, of the instruments as you would want them, but there is a ceiling for how high, how right. hot you can make it. Uh, so. It, that there's an argument of a decibel range argument there, but no, I think the mixing process is definitely the same. Okay, but when people talk about like uh, vinyl or versus CD, mm-hmm. there's always like that argument about like quality, like how much quality are you compromising for the convenience of CD? Right. But the reality is, with technology being what it is, that that may be true, but you're getting so say maybe CDs lessening the quality by twenty five thirty percent. But the recording itself is a thousand percent better because right. you know all the technology that we have. So it's like you kind of weigh the scales, yeah. you know. And I don't, I don't think CDs are going away. And I, okay, I think where you, not. yeah, I think where you really lose a lot of the quality is streaming. Streaming yes. destroys the quality of it. I, I hear stuff. I just heard. I, I won't say where I heard it, whatever. But um, 
I heard one of my songs spinning and it was filtered through uh, the web and it's got all that like that compression and it just yeah. sounded like it sounded really the bit rate's different too than almost like it was like playing on a screen you know like the old TVs in the 80s that were the oh, God. Sh- You'd hear like that, like the static. white noise and all. Yeah, it sounded like it was playing through that. I'm like, what happened to my song? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't like that. <laughs> I think I would be upset at that point. Right. And actually, because I, I just saw a thing the other day, um, and I forget the name of the service because you, you know, with CDs, the the, the bitrate is different than what you than digital. Digital is lower, so you're not getting that quality. But there's a new site. That is taken. The bit rate's the same as the CD, so I think they have like seven hundred thousand in the library right now. Wow! Which is yeah, but that's, there's still a long way to go. There's no question. Yeah, um, which and if that if I think it doing that with digital would make a big difference. So people are going to be able to get it on Spotify and iTunes. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, pretty much. Uh, there, I think there's a hundred and fifty different like online vendors, but they're right. the main, main ones. Okay. Yeah. And hopefully on vinyl. Hopefully. Which would be sweet. I want to now, do like a short run, like maybe 50 to 100 to start. Right. Just because I think that there's the people that would want that just for like, um, well, obviously the musicians that played on it, just, just, just to have it, you know. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Right. If it's really a demand, then I'll make more. It, tell everybody where they can listen to it now, some of the videos and everything. Uh, either YouTube or Bandcamp. Bandcamp is where uh, the highest quality, speaking of quality, they, they'll, they'll right. find. Okay. Yeah. And, and just search for Veteran Obviously, it's on Spotify, you know. But yeah. Again, you're losing quality there. So right. with Bandcamp, you're able to upload high-quality waves, like, like you know, the 50-megabyte file versus a compressed version on uh, Spotify, which is probably going to be like a, a four-megabyte four MP3. So Now, are, are, are there links to them on your website? Um, yeah, it's all there. Yes. All right, what's, tell everybody what the website is. I would just at this point go to facebook.com backslash Veteran Avenue. Okay. And it's spelled just the way you would think. Now, what about the other CDs that go along with the books? Um, yeah, they're all out there as well. Okay. Yeah, so. I uh, got to get there because I feel like I want to watch Wizard of Oz yeah. at Pink Floyd, but now I want to do your books with the CDs at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Children of the Program and Children of the Program, uh, the album, is a really cool pairing. It's got to be a movie, man. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a guy I was talking to about that. He's like, if you ever get to that point, you know. It's not Richard, was it? No, it was okay. my, my buddy Edgar Nazario. He's a okay. guy I'd like to play with. Um, but, yeah, it was like, just let me know. I got first dibs on this because it's a really cool story. It could easily be a Netflix series. Yeah. Oh, I d- yeah, I definitely got to read it and listen to it at the same time. Yeah, I think that'd be a trip. Yeah. Definitely without a rush. All right, so July, hopefully, is when it's going to be released. And I'll make sure I have all the links in the show notes uh, for everybody. But every time I look at your book, the word's right there in front of me, but I always want to say Children of the Corn. (laughs) Children of the Program, the trilogy, uh, God, people, you you have to get it. Support local artists. Um, and Brad is truly an artist, author, musician. So and you wrote all the songs as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, now on the the children of the program record, 
that was a collaborative effort with the band at the time. Which okay. Was We Love the Underground. Um, but the first two We Love the Underground albums were solo projects. A lot of the, the Schizo albums were solo projects. Um, and for Veteran Avenue, yes, I've, re- I've read on all the songs, but it's a matter of bringing other players in. Like, hey, man, you want to play bass on this track or you want right. to play the drums on this track? The song or the core is already there, though. Yeah. So how long is this actually the Veteran Avenue uh, project? How long has that been going on now? Uh, summer of 2018. Really? Yeah. It's been a it's been a long process because it's not a it's a it's a money thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can't afford to go to the studio every month. You know, it takes every two or three months to save up the money to do that. And then it, it's kind of like uh, corralling cats to to get everybody in the studio at the same time, like yeah. getting everybody scheduled to work. Okay, or this guy's coming in this day to do this. This guy, like, there's people that were, have played on it that I haven't I haven't even seen. They just came in, laid their part when they could do really? it, and left. Yeah. Wow. So that's weird. So, <laughs> all right, as an independent musician, because you're not on a major le- label or anything. It's kind of preferred. It's great. Right, what about airplay, though? Yeah, well, that's that's where it gets tricky. So, I guess, thank God for Spotify and I- iTunes. Thank God for podcasts like this as well. And Well, and actually... The college station, WHFC, they can play it as they well, do. right? They do. And they do, okay. There's definitely uh, stations that, that will promote local. There's a lot of uh, online indie stations that, right. uh, that play the music. Lots okay, of them. good. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, hitting the top 25 market, like, you've got to, I don't know, every once in a blue moon, 98 Rock will play a local song. Okay. But there's got to be a certain level of connection there because I, I don't think any of us know how to, how to actually trip that wire and get in there. Right. We've, now, Matt Davis used to do a great show, in, um, mm-hmm. Noise in the Basement, and he would play local music. But for the most part, um, you know, terrestrial radio is already struggling. Yeah. You know, so. See, that's the one thing I hate about I mean, doing a podcast because it, it'd be nice if I could sit there and play songs all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but what I do is when we DJ, that's when I push to local musicians. You know, if I have their stuff, then I'm putting it out there. How else are people going to find out? I was going to tell you if if you need any tracks like for for the podcast itself, just let me know and I'll send it to you. Well, uh, actually, yeah, because so I, I got to double check on that because I know if God, what all's in there? So it's got to be approved by the author or, or the writer, which is you. The musician, publish the record company, which is independent. Which is me. So you have my permission. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> have it here as a record. That, that that works for me because yeah, I mean, it, the more people that hear this, you know, the better, and uh, get it out there, man, because it. it you know, like I said, from what I heard, kicks ass. Already. I appreciate that, man. And the timing for doing this is really perfect. Like it just kind of the stars align between doing the Weatherly podcast, doing the um, the college. Uh, That's rate. right. You were just with Matt Terry on WHFC. Yeah. So th- okay. this is all like really becoming a really great promotional push, and yeah. I really appreciate it because it's it's tough to cut through. Like we live in a content, content, content world yeah you know i don't care if you put out a single or you put out an ep or you put on a, out an album people are on to the next thing within 24 48 hours that's true so all that work is like three years of work it's like oh here today gone tomorrow and it's like yeah. i just can't justify that i've got to promote the hell out of this yeah and the sad thing is too even with that you hear um a lot of musicians that or and even authors you know they want it right away and there are some of them it ain't till five years to where people start hearing it but yeah. we don't we don't want that we want it now 
And that's the way it should be. You're busting your tail. It's a business. Yeah, and this is not my full-time job, obviously. I actually have a full-time job, which is one of the reasons that I stick with the the more creative approach to writing um, music and and, and the books because – uh, I, I've reached this age where it seems like a lot of the people that I know out there have kind of going the road of um, either just doing the cover uh, groups or yeah. doing like the kind of the strumming and humming thing. And it's like, you know, I just couldn't see dedicating extra time on the weekend to doing something that isn't actually furthering the, the creative process for me. So this is kind of the happy marriage. You know, I work my job and then I put out my records. All right. So with your music, who was your biggest influences? Biggest influences. It's funny. I just found an article from uh, 1995. That oh, I wow. did, yeah, I did with my my local high school at C. Milton Wright, and I had said the Doors, the Sex Pistols, Led Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses, and Soundgarden. Those were the five, and I would say that a lot of those are still in there. Right. Um, Zeppelin was the very first band that hooked me. I I remember. Um, do you remember Columbia House? Oh God, yes. So they would they had this deal where basically five records for a penny. Or right, whatever, right, yeah. right, right, right. But they would they had this deal where they would send you a a. a uh, a, a tape every month or yeah. I, th- I think it was a cassette and if you open the package you had to buy it right. at that point but i was always so curious like what's in there and it was uh zeppelin three and oh, nice. i put that cassette in one night and i heard immigrant song and i was just like holy shit well i don't know if you yeah, can say it, that you can edit you're it. fine <laughs> um but yeah i was just like blown away i'd never heard vocals or just like a, a sense of urgency like that record and um so Zeppelin kicked it off, and then um, I kind of went through like a weird phase with bands. I was like really into like NXS, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I stumbled into the Doors. Um, I guess pun intended. But <laughs> then Guns N' Roses came along, and that that was a band that I, a lot of people know that I love that yeah. band. Um, and it was just because it was like it was like a there was a Zeppelin component to it, but he was Axel was voice. just so angry. Yeah, and I really I really related to that. I was like a pissed off kid right you know so but then over time that band kind of became boring to me they just didn't do anything you know yeah. over time it just got old so uh, I, I would say the the biggest influence has probably still been zeppelin because they they're so creative and mm-hmm. one of the things you were you, i think you said maybe prior to the podcast is i know you probably you know tie that into your music as well and one of the things i do on every record there's always a couple like complete surprise tracks like that record in front of you the we love the underground mouthful of graffiti record ends with a jazz song it's a straight it's a straight up jazz song trumpets the whole thing wow yes but the whole record is this dark heavy alternative album like uh, you know like all the songs are like cross and crown basically so um but the first record had this uh the last song was this flamenco guitar it sounds like you know it, it's just a, it's a lot of fun so it's, yeah the the whole uh kind of impetus for schizo calypso was complete genre bendings like the idea being like this guy's all over the place you know like right. he's doing funk he's doing punk he's doing jazz and and so i love this stuff yeah. like that man that's because you brought in your horizons man let i think that's one of the biggest problems with people today they don't want to listen to all different types of music yeah. you know what you got to do next next project you do you got to have a sitar in there yeah i was gonna I, say don't tell me you've already done that all or something i'm trying to i'm trying to think i don't think a sitar's made made an appearance but there's been all <laughs> kinds of stuff yeah yeah that's i mean some of the instruments out there nowadays is just i mean 
you would never have thought you could get sounds like that. Have you? This is a really kind of sidebar thing, but this is really kind of interesting where music's going. Mm-hmm. But have you heard the um, AI uh, albums or music out there? Like, mm-hmm. so basically, what they'll do is they'll feed a computer like hours and hours and hours of Nirvana, and then AI will create a Nirvana song. What? So Duran Duran just recently put out uh, a kind of a, a, a collaborative song between AI and them. Uh, I think the whole record might even be this. But basically, I guess they fed AI their music. The, the computer generated what they think a Duran Duran song would sound like. And then they kind of like took that and made it into their own song. So it's like this hybrid between uh, technology and wow. the human uh, kind of element. So it's really wild. And I, I listened. Check that yeah, out, yeah. man. That's. It's next level. Yeah. Yeah. God, computers are writing the music now. We're in trouble. We are. <laughs> but it's, it's neat. On a, but yeah. Yeah. It is. It, maybe it's getting too far out there. I don't know. But it, well, yeah. Well, we're, maybe we're just older. <laughs> That, you know, and speaking of that, yeah, because I'm older. So back in the day when you were younger, getting into music, were there any bands that you just could not stand? You would not, you refused to listen to, or even types of music which now you like. I wasn't really uh, part- I, well. I, I I can't say I still like. I I still hate country. I I, <laughs> okay. I and I, I don't even know where the venom comes for that. But I uh, my my dad was really into country and. Um, it just drew me bananas, and I I love my father. I mean, he's he's wonderful. He actually had a studio in our basement. And that's where I f- cut my first tracks. Um, but um, I, I I hate country. I can't do it, and I don't. I still don't like it. But um, let's see, types of music. Um, I really didn't like get jazz, right? You know, um, until my senior year, and I was in jazz improv, and I realized everything that was going into it, and then I really kind of fell into it. So this yeah. is wild. This is great. It's like everybody sold at the same time kind of thing. Yeah. So that that would be a style of music uh, that definitely didn't really land with me at first, but then kind of grew on me. Um, never really got into like pop music. I mm-hmm. I just was just it didn't seem authentic to me in a, in a lot of cases. It it could, and some of it did, but it, it didn't really resonate with me until I got older. Right. And now I realize that like no matter what you're doing, on some level, there's a certain there's a certain intent behind what you're doing. So whether you're making punk rock, three chords in the truth, mm-hmm. or you're making a pop record, it's still the, there's still intent there. What's to say what's genuine or what's not. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. God, even I got into this argument with my daughter uh, one time, cause she told me about this band and she said they were punk rock. I was like, no, they're not punk rock. I said, punk rock is sex pistols clash, you know, to me, that was punk rock. Yeah, actually, that's it's funny you're, you're circling the drain on the Sex Pistols because that's it's what one of the bands I grew up with and just absolutely love. the Sex Pistols, man, you gotta love them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and a lot of people associate that group with Sid, but mm-hmm. Sid was really kind of he was a fan that became a band member, and yeah. and Johnny Lydon, or John Lydon, he's he's a blowhard, but he is he's great. Mm-hmm. He's he he really is the Sex Pistols. Yeah, I don't know if you know this the story behind like what was supposed to be the follow up record, um, but Steve Jones and I think um, Cookie, uh, I think they 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 put together what was going to be the next Sex Pistol record, and John Lydon heard it. he's like this sounds like a parody of what we just did, so that became the Professionals, and then John Lydon went off to do uh, Public Image LTV. Right. But, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Man, yeah, because I used to listen to them and the Ramones. Always loved yeah. the Ramones. I mean, great, great oh yeah, I mean, great. What was the longest one? Three minutes or whatever. Right. But they, I mean, they were just. Uh huh. <laughs> My daughter, when she was younger, would always sing Blitzkrieg Pop, and. Now, when I tell her that, she's like, I never sang that. I said, you used to sing it all the time. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Brad, first of all, I want to thank you again for coming on. Is there anything that you would like to add? I would just say that just kind of stick by Spotify. Keep uh, up on the updates for Veteran Avenue because it's coming. It's been a long time coming, and I'm really excited to get it out there, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Oh, I know everybody will, and I'll make sure I have the – the links um, in the show notes for that. And anytime you want to come back on, feel free to do so, man. I appreciate you having because, me, Rich. I um, really do. God, you know what I would love to do if you could? Some of these musicians that you've played with, if we could just get like a big round table and just talk about music. Maybe we, we, we could set up a podcast like this. I'll invite anybody who can come. come. Yeah, I'm, we, I, I'm game for that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just I, – I think – a lot of people in Harford County and in Maryland in general don't realize, and I said this before, how much talent is out there. It's incredible. And if it weren't for social media, we probably wouldn't know. That's true. That's very true. It um it just it blows me away. So Yeah. I, I think one of the things that would be really interesting in a scenario like that is that like everybody knows my perspective, probably. You know, I've I've I'm vocal enough about it, but I'm curious, even myself, what what is their perspective on being asked to come in and do something like that? Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, like I I didn't even see all the people that came into track. Some right. of them just came in, laid their track, and disappeared. And it was because they were available, I wasn't. So I haven't even seen them. So what was it for them? What was their experience? You know, It'd be kind yeah. of interesting to find out. Like, or what did that feel like to go in there and just lay something to somebody else's work? So. Get them all together. Let's, Let's do it, do man. It. Yeah, let's do it. I, I'm up for it. Brad, thanks again, man. Rich, thanks for having me, brother. So I wanted to feature some of Brad's music, or at least one song on this episode, but the, the thing is there are so many great tunes that he has. So I figured it'd be easiest just to tell everybody the websites to go to and you know, support him by purchasing music, listening to it, enjoying it, sharing it with all your friends. So the first one is moderndaytravesty.bandcamp.com. You also have weloftheunderground.bandcamp.com, bradwilliamcox.bandcamp.com. There's a lot. Uh, Nikki Thunders, that's N-I-K-I.bandcamp.com. Uh, what else? There's, oh, theaftermidnights.bandcamp.com schizocalypso.bandcamp.com and veteranavenue.bandcamp.com and make sure you check out his podcast Mouthful of Graffiti which you can also find on the Chesapeake Podcast Network and go to his website childrenoftheprogram.com and purchase his books. If you have an idea or something or someone you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. Send me an email at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. Again, that's podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. And also, please leave a review. All you need to do is go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash harco living. Again, lovethepodcast.com forward slash 
Hardcore Living, please leave a review. It helps me determine what type of guests to get on and subjects to talk about as well. And not only that, if you leave a review, I tend to give away prizes a lot, gift cards. You know, my sponsors provide me with things that allow me to do that. So, you know, you're automatically entered once you leave a review. Even years down the road, if you left one today, if you left one last year, you're still eligible to, of course, win the prize. And also, if you don't mind, please follow our Facebook pages at Harford County Living with Rich Bennett, which is facebook.com forward slash HCL show and Harford County Living as well, which is facebook.com forward slash Harford County Living. And of course, if you can, please support the show. Just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash hardcore living and every little donation helps me to keep this going. So again, that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash hardcore living. So I am sitting here today. I have a young lady on that is a very talented photographer, Emily Adolph. And she's got something very special, especially if you run a nonprofit. Oh, she's got something special for you. But if you just need photography in general, you want to get a hold of her. So how are you doing, Emily? I'm doing good, Rich. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, my pleasure. Tell us what it is that you are, this special that you're running. Yeah. so Special for, for special people because you're special, right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So what I'm offering is free photography services to nonprofits here in Harford County. And mm-hmm. um, initially I was running it from now until the end of June, but what I've decided to do is extend it out. Um, so now I'm right. offering it from now until um, the end of August. So until August 31st, that, that, you know, weekend um, figured, you know, it's a, it's a busy time of year season for mm-hmm. you know nonprofits having events in the summertime. Um, but yeah, really just want to support, help nonprofits capture, you know, moments and, and the, um, experiences of the events that they're hosting without having to, you know, worry about funding the photographer. Right. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about, you know, what I'm, I'm giving back to the community. Which is great because a lot of your nonprofits don't take photos of their events yeah. and they should be on their websites. I agree. You know, agree. even for upcoming events, you know, it's nice if you had the photos from last year to, to ask, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is how good it is. Yeah. And also, but you also do other types of photography in case somebody wants to hire you, right? I do. Yeah, I do portraits, families, event, you know, other events, musicians, bands. Those are my my key focuses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how does somebody hire you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, they would just go to my website. So it's www.emilyadolf.com. So that's E M I L Y A D O L P H dot com. Well, first of all, thank you for doing that because that's awesome. Thank and you. especially now, for, a lot of your nonprofits are struggling yeah. because you're just like all of us, inflation's hitting them hard. Yep. You know, and you have, you know, some venues around that shut down. So some of them are struggling to find a place. And yep. here you are reaching out to help. And for those of you that don't know about Emily, this is, Emily just loves to help people out. Yeah, I do. So. 
help her out as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hire her for your photography needs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Rich. <laughs>